by the name of Mr. Hastings, and he loved to fish. So much so, he had a fishing class, fishing club afterwards. It was an after-school fishing club, and I was a part of it. And for about three weeks, we just practiced throwing, casting lines, and that kind of stuff. And then one day, he took us off the coast of California, somewhere off of Long Beach, and we went fishing. And I'm thinking, you know, because I used to go with my grandmother when I was smaller. You know, you catch them little two-inch guppy-sized fish, you know, <laughs> big enough for a little baby, right? <laughs> and, and, and I kid you not, every time we cast a line, we caught something. And the fish were at least a foot, foot and a half long. And I was blown away by that. I had never been fishing and saw fish that large particularly when you're casting a line. And it blew my mind. And, and Mr. Hasty, he was kind of laughing at me that I was blown away by it. He said, if you blown away by that, wait till next week. <laughs> next week, we went out on a boat about two miles off the coast. And we did some fishing there. Not, not, nothing deep, nothing huge. But even just a mile or two off coast, the fish were two, three times bigger than the ones we caught the week before. And I was just blown away. I said, this fishing thing, it seems like the deeper we go, the bigger the fish get. And Mr. Hastings said something to me that I've never forgotten. He said, Archie, let me tell you something about life. If you ever want something in life, you always got to go deeper. And I don't know who I'm talking to that's in a wintry storm, but God sent me to tell somebody today, if you want a deeper spiritual life, you're going to have to go deeper. If you want a greater anointing on your life, you're going to have to go deeper with God. If you want to experience the stirring, the anointing, and the blessing of God on your life, it is not going to happen in shallow waters. You're going to have to launch out into the deep places with God. Number one, tell your neighbor you're going to need a boat. <laughs> number two, number two, you're going to need some water. <laughs> Can't fish in the desert. <laughs> you're going to need some water. I'm looking at verse one. They were fishing at the lake of Gennesaret or the Sea of Galilee. You're going to need some water. Now, why am I raising that? This is very important because if you're stuck spiritually, I guarantee you this is where it is. This is where it happens. You're going to need some water. In just about every parable or story that Jesus preached about fishing had to do with the purpose of the church. When he deals with fishing, when he deals with uh, parables or stories or miracles that relate to fishing, they ultimately deal with the purpose of the church which is to reach all of humanity. What is the purpose of the church? What is the purpose of the gospel? Christ died that the world might be saved. Let me see if I got some Bible readers in here today. For God so loved the what? Not just Richardson. The world. Right? That, that Christ died that the world might be saved. Matter of fact, when you come to the end of this story, Jesus tells Peter, don't, don't fear. Y'all tripping over this big catch of fish. Y'all ain't seen nothing yet. I'm about to make y'all fishers of people. 
Because the, the grand purpose of the gospel and the church is to reach the world. And so Luke 5 really is a, it's a subtle metaphoric message about God's desire and his work to reach the world. Here it is. Here's my point. Be careful that what you want doesn't conflict with what God wants. Look, I'm not judging. I'm not judging because I've done this. I've done this. Sometimes I've come to God asking him for what I want. And God is saying, but Autry, that ain't what I want. And the problem is the, the reason why we get stuck sometimes in spiritual spaces is that maybe we're asking for things that have nothing to do with what God may want for us. Now, here's what I've discovered. When my wants begin to line up with what God wants, God has a way of giving me what I want without me even asking. Y'all not hearing me. I'm trying to preach this. That when I trust God and yield to him, is there anybody in here that can testify? God will give you what you want. God will give you more. God will bless you beyond your mind. All because you decided to give him what he wants. Number two, you're going to need some water. I'm running. Number three, you're going to need a net. You're going to need a net. Now, Now Hartfield, he goes fishing all the time. He uses a pole. And he does very well. But he's kind of a recreational fisher. He's not in the business of making money. Come on, Doc. But if you were in the business, you'd have a couple of nets, wouldn't you? But now if you were going to get in the business of fishing, you're going to need a net. And so that's why it says in verse 2 that they were washing their nets. And, and this was an activity that fishermen would do. That every time they would go fishing, they have to come back and wash their net because they're trying to preserve it. And it's interesting, that word for washing, it's, it's very interesting. Matter of fact, the words that's used for fishing uh, this one, washing, the, the word primarily is used of washing clothing, but it is also used spiritually of watching and cleansing the soul. Watch this, because here it is, through the normal course of life, we get dirty. We don't intend to. It's not like we were looking for it. Now, some of us were. Can I get an amen right there? Is this thing working? Is it working? But the point is, here's the, here's the parallel. Just like fishing, and the normal course of fishing, your nets get dirty and tangled. The normal course of life, our spiritual nets, our hearts get dirty. Our hearts, here it is, get broken. A parallel translation uses the word mending. Very common in that culture that when they would throw out their nets, they would come back broken. Why? Because they're trying to carry too much. (laughs) 
Lisa, we're going to have to go back to London. I see that already. We have to go back. So they would repair their nets from the normal use and the normal wear and tear of fishing. Don't fool yourself. Just the normal weekly routines will dirty and tear your life. That's why our meditation says created me what? Y'all going to catch this eventually. And renew what? A right spirit. Because our hearts get dirty and our hearts get broken. Let me, let me just say a few things about faith very quickly. I got I to gotta move because I want to do something today. This is a problem of faith. Most Christians see faith as an object. It's something we hold. We hold on to it. I carry my faith wherever I go. Here's the problem. If somebody pisses me off, you don't know who you're talking to. <laughs> or, 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 if we see somebody that look good, he gonna forgive me anyway he gonna forgive me or here's one here's one because we hold on to our faith watch this we're holding on to the faith we held on to when we were 12 years old so here we are 35 we don't use rotary phones anymore okay we don't listen to cassette players anymore. Don't even know what a four-track tape is. But we got an eight-track faith in a digital world. And we wonder why folk are deconverted. I'm done with the faith. You ain't got a real faith. So some folk, they see faith as holding onto something. Some folks see faith as an idea. It's a set of principles and ideas. And so when it comes to a test in a classroom, they get all A's. Get all the answers. They, they, watch this. They know what tribe they're a part of. Baptist, Lutheran, Catholic, Pentecostal, conservative, Republican. The problem is, Right answers have no answer for a broken heart. Because it's just an idea. Because when somebody breaks your heart, you need more than an idea. You need the person to show up in your life. So some folk think faith is a something we hold, an object. Some folk think faith is an idea, something we memorize, which never gets in our hearts. That's why some Christians can be so mean, because it's all up here, never gets down here. You want to know where racism and slavery started, that's it. Know all this information, but it ain't touching nowhere here. But faith is a journey. Faith is a journey, watch this, in which we respond to what God does in our lives. That's what Peter's doing. 
He's on a journey with Jesus. He's walking with him. And Jesus decides to engage his life and he responds. It's a journey. We walk with him. We might be on the beach one day. Or we might be in Naples, Florida after Hurricane Ian has hit. Either way, keep it moving. See, the problem is when you hold on to it, we want to sit down and stay there all day. And God's like, no, we're on a journey. We're going somewhere. Now, I get it. You, you can be in denial and act like things didn't happen to you. But if I had to err on the side of caution, some of us just need to keep it moving. Keep it moving. We, we got to keep moving in the direction in following Jesus. And as we follow him, we work it out. We, we see this even Jesus gives us a formula for rejection. Matthew chapter 10 tells his disciples, when you go out and if the house receives you, go into the house. Bless that house. But now if the house rejects you, shake the dust off your feet. Why? Because the life of faith is a journey. No matter what happens to you, rejection otherwise, you keep going. Well, why do you shake the dust off? The assumption is, just because that house rejected you, that doesn't mean there's not a house that down the road may receive you. And the last thing you want to do is take the dust from the house that rejected Y'all didn't get it. And carry it into the new house. So you better shake the dust. And somebody has come to church today in your praise and your worship. Shake the dust out of your heart. Shake the bitterness out of your heart. Shake the betrayal out of your heart. Shake the anger out of your heart. Shake the dust out of your feet. Because God has something. Oh, I got to wrap this thing up. Number four, here it is. You got to have a team. Got to have a team. This is what I like. When, when Jesus blessed Peter with the catch, he didn't try to keep it all to himself. Look what it says. Verse 7, so they signaled to their partners in the other boat for them to come and help him. And they came and filled both of the boats so that they began to sink. And it affected them. Look at verse 9. For amazement has seized him and all his companions. So, so the blessing was not something just for him, but it was something that affected everybody because Peter did not try to do life by himself. He had a team. And everybody needs a spiritual team. Your homie that lets you do whatever you want may not be a good teammate. I ain't mad. I ain't mad at your homie. Probably been with you when nobody else was with you. But you need a team that can look you in the face 
and say, dog, I don't know about that one. <laughs> See, Peter had a team. When Peter denied the Lord, the Bible says he ran to the empty tomb. He was not by himself. That even though he had publicly denied the Lord, John was running with him. When everybody had turned their back on him, his buddy John says, you come stay at my house. When Jesus had risen from the grave and clearly had changed the entire conversation of what it meant to be a follower of Jesus, Peter was confused. And the Bible says that Peter said, you know what, I'm going fishing. And he had seven friends say, you know what, we're going with you too. You need a team to do life together. Now, that person you introduce, you ready for them. You, 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 at the beginning of the sermon, I told you to get one person. Okay, go back and reintroduce. Okay, now, say, I ain't trying to hit on you, all right, now. But we need to talk here. So I'm going to prepare you. Put my questions up. This is for the Lord's Supper. So here's what I want you to do. I got six questions up here. And I simply want to choo- you to choose one to have about a minute conversation. And then we're going to take the Lord's Supper together. And I got to explain number six first. Because it's not going to make no sense. And I think number six is significant to where I've been trying to land this sermon. There's a book I've been reading called The Critical Journey by Janet Hackberg and Gulak. He's a professor. He actually died. He was a professor at Fuller Theological Seminary. And in this book, she argues there are two types of spiritual people, a switcher and a searcher. She says switchers are people who think that by switching the venue, will help them go deeper spiritually. So they'll switch jobs, switch spouses, tell your neighbor, don't do that, don't do that. Switch churches. Some of them even switch religions. And here's what she says, in all the research, it may feel like they're going deeper, but they're actually at the same level they've been. Because that's not how you get deeper. But the searcher, watch this, they tend to be people of non-faith, and yet they do better spiritually than people of faith. Why? Because when they decide to get into faith, they stay with one group. They don't jump to four or five different groups and churches and Presbyterian and Pentecostal and other hostile, whatever Are y'all hearing me? They stay with one. Watch this. And as they go deeper in the one with that group, that's how they grow. That's question number six. Do you think by rearranging the furniture in your life that will make you get deeper spiritually? That's a switcher. A searcher says, I'm going to stay in mind what God has for my life. Are y'all hearing me today? So here, here we go. Thank you, Doc. 
salt, turn to your neighbor, whoever you connected with before the sermon. Choose a question. One, have you changed seasons in your faith in 2022? Because Christians are not having this conversation. Everybody, everybody in the spring, how many of y'all know that's a lie? You lying in the name of Jesus. Okay. What season of faith are you currently in? If you're in the spring, God bless you. God bless you. Good. But everybody don't stay there all the time. Amen. Uh, have you felt that what you want and what God wants are at odds? Okay. Uh, how do you cleanse your soul? Because it gets dirty. It gets broken. Stuff, times when people have hurt you and you didn't speak up. See? It's broken. You don't even realize it until later in life. And stuff bothers you and you don't even know why it bothers you. You got to clean your soul. And what do you believe is God's grand purpose in the earth? That's key. That's key. Uh, critical. So take a minute, quietly, and then we'll do the Lord's Supper. I bless you. Thank you, Doc. Just choose one. If you're online, you can talk about it online or talk about it with someone you're watching with online. We invite you as well. Take a minute, and then we're going to take the Lord's Supper. <laughs>